Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. Happy Valentine's Day, Scott. I deeply it's adore not, you. I was wondering if you were going to remember. <laughs> I don't. I was Happy wondering Valentine. if I you were going to remember. I bought you nothing. I bought you nothing whatsoever. Although my son did an amazing thing for his girlfriend. I can't talk about it right now. He's bringing it to her. Like, my yeah. son is the best Valentine's Day for his girlfriend. But I did not. I was thinking I made no effort for you. But here well, we are. So, okay, so I bought you a Valentine's card, and the only problem uh-huh. was I ran out of space riding on the front and the back, and I had to buy another <laughs> card. <laughs> what are those from, letters? Yeah, that's right. I just ran out of <laughs> Tiny space. Tiny little writing. Articulating the writing. ways that I appreciate and love the jungle cat. <laughs> that's right. I think this is literally one of the worst holidays in the world. This all this is is downside. Really? This is literally just yeah. a, a series of disappointment. It's, of it. it's like no, 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 don't do anything. We don't want to do anything. It's not important. And then you don't actually don't do anything. Yeah. Boy, are you in trouble? I agree. I think Boy, it's a are faux you in holiday. trouble? I don't. I don't like the whole thing. I don't think there was a devastating piece in the speaking of uh, the sort of dating and stuff like that in the New York Times. They did a video about a woman in China. And who didn't want to get married, and they're called leftover women. I mean, the whole thing, all the little romance stuff is really disturbing to a lot of people. Um, listen to me. You were yes. in New Orleans? I was. So I've officially become an old man. I was speaking down mm-hmm. there, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take the day, and I'm going to do a self-guided tour of the Garden District, go <laughs> see the beautiful. World War II Museum. I'm literally 105. Yeah. And yeah. I had a fantastic time. It's a wonderful place. And it's I've decided that Louis, your son, is going to go— yeah. To Tulane and me, James okay. Carvel and Louis are going to start the world's worst fraternity. And people will come oh over. God. People will come <laughs> over. Jim will be like, "It's about private power. We have a moral party. <laughs> Professor Galloway okay. is going to mix us all up some mint juleps. Let's I not, am not. Let's not count Louis the points before we'd have an either election. of you. They. they it's not a, actually that would be funny. That would be somewhat funny. He's, Louis he's, would be good in. There's so yeah. few people you can mock now. He's a seven-year-old white man that went to LSU, so I can yeah. mock him. I can absolutely yeah, you can. mock him. He's saying some things. He's getting some notice. Suddenly, he popped up like, oh, like that a, guy's like a, a gangster. That guy he is, is so he good. A, he talk about not uh, honey badger. Don't give a shit. Oh there my god! Go. And his analogies make no sense, but they sound so yeah. powerful. He's like, you don't order hush puppies at a Waffle House. And you're like, <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> 
But he sounds smart. <laughs> he sounds smart. He's like, of course you don't. <laughs> you don't know well, what the fuck does that mean? Of course you don't. Uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, where Louis makes his college good. decision. But he, I like to, he's, he is in Tulane, so. Well, Tulane, he's okay, first happy. off, your son is a, right. a wonderful cook and he's into it. Mm-hmm. Tulane, I mean, yeah, New Orleans is a great food city, right? I know. No, it's called Narlins. 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 And then, uh, and then a fantastic Tulane is a you know great baseball team and a great medical school, which is kind of the one-two punch. Yeah, of neither a, of which of a does, good university. But okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Let, Lu- Louise makes his own decisions. I like to call him sometimes. Oh, Louise Listen, in Louisiana. To- <laughs> Louis, Louis. Listen. Yeah. We have to talk about Amazon is like all yeah, over the news. I'm gonna, right. gonna, yeah. I'm gonna count a couple things, but first of all, Jeff Bezos bought the most expensive house in Los Angeles, which is Jack Warner's former estate that was owned by David Geffen. Yeah. It's the Warner, old Jack Warner estate. Secondly, um, it announced it was finally owed some taxes. It said it would pay over a million dollars in federal income taxes. New tax rate of 0.01%. Um, <laughs> all right. And then Thirdly, uh, you know, Jeff was all over the Oscars and, and yeah. is still making big—obviously uh, spending going to be spending a lot of time in Los Angeles, even though he owns many properties. And then the Jedi decision, one of them, the stay, uh, his fight with Trump over the the, uh, the Defense Department contract that Amazon lost to Microsoft, which it had won, allegedly, um, and and t- Trump put his thumb on the on the thing. That's coming down this week. And then its PR person, Jay Carney, wrote a piece in the—, in the um, and the New York Times op-ed page was sort of a PR ad for Amazon and how what a good city. You should take our goodness and shove it down your throat because we're so good. And then he he had a meltdown on Twitter, which was somewhat when journalists well, questioned his What did he piece. do? What did he say? Well, he had said that Bernie—he started with Bernie Sanders' call to thank Jeff Bezos for the $15. And everyone was like, you might want to point out the $15 wage, uh, uh, minimum wage increase. And he, it, he, everyone was took exception with the fact that— they thought that Bernie Sanders' pressure had had been brought to bear there, and then he was denying it. And then he started insulting reporters for being Brooklyn hipsters, and then it just was— it was untoward for a PR person. He should have put the put the Twitter down. Uh, right. I, it was very late at night, so I'm not sure what was going on. But he just couldn't stop and started really attacking. Well, we have experience with Aaron tweets him. from the reporters yes. at 11:30 p.m. Yes. We know what yes. that's like. <laughs> we know what that's text, like. Text is what I do. I do not tweet at you. Listen to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's start with the Hollywood thing. So yeah. he's bought this thing. We don't usually talk about people's houses, but this is this is a big old. I'm staying here in L.A. His 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 girlfriend is from L.A. Um, has a lot of businesses there. You know, obviously he's moved his operations down there. It seems like, and this this purchase, which was a massive purchase, what, talk a little bit about streaming and what he's. You know, what do you think he's doing? Even though his real business is is retail up in uh, up in uh, up in Seattle. So this was the Jack Warner estate, the most powerful yes. man in Hollywood. Yes. Nine acres, nine acres in Beverly nine Hills, acres. and it's just so metaphorically rich. It's literally you know falling off the tree yeah. here, and that is. The most powerful force now and the most powerful individual in Hollywood, seen as a place that had somewhat of a moat from zeros and ones and processing power because of the culture of creativity and kind of the unique secret sauce that's enabled a region, Los Angeles, to largely have a monopoly over a global industry, unlike any region's ability to master monopoly over the world, maybe with the exception of San Francisco and processing power, which the entire world uses. Yeah. but. You have now, um, Jeff Bezos is the most powerful man in Hollywood. And if you look at Amazon Prime Video, which came out, I think, in 2011, and, and until then, Netflix had had it all to themselves. It's it's really paying off for them because it looks, on the face of it, like a $7 billion a year kind of a rational purchase. They haven't had a lot of Emmys. A lot of people have sort of mocked the service. But 
there's such genius in this move, Kara, because the NPS scores are the loyalty that people feel for e-commerce companies or internet services. It's negative with internet services. It's marginal with e-commerce companies. But the NPS scores on streaming video services is really huge because there's storytelling yeah. and it's emotional. And you think, well, I love Homeland, so I like Showtime. Well, I love Game of Thrones, so I like HBO. And since they have launched Amazon Prime Video, the renewal rates or the retention rates huge. on their yeah, SaaS like Prime program yeah. has gone from 78 to 92%. So well, it's, it's very—I it, do it more for the delivery. You know, it's a good deal. It's a good deal in terms of what you're, whatever you're doing with them. What was interesting about this is, besides that, is there was a—we'll get to the taxes in a minute, but it, uh, they, there was a great piece about actual how many taxes they actually pay. But it, one of the things that was most interesting in it was the, um, the retail business is not very good, and they're not very good compared to other retail businesses. They're fine. They're, like, right. in the same margins. But their AWS and some of their entertainment stuff is much more— uh, possibility of being a bigger margin business, and um, you know, it was it was fascinating that you know this is where they've moved when actually their core business is one with very tight margins, with very tight margins and and difficult, which they try to help out with technology, but it's still not they aren't hanging the moon quite as much as people thought. So this is this move is critically important, I think, for them. Well, they're not. Uh, my colleague at NYU Aswat the Motor, and who's arguably the most impressive teacher in the world right now has always said that Amazon is an e-commerce company. It's not a cloud company. It's a disruption platform. And that is through great execution, uh, unparalleled access to capital, and very visionary, you know, disciplined strategy, they find categories ripe for disruption, and they use their flywheel mm-hmm. effect to spin into that category. And if you look at mm-hmm. If you look at video, if they can get an incremental 14% renewal rate on the 70 million households that have them, that translates to another couple, just about $3 billion a year in incremental yeah. revenue with a SaaS-like multiple, that's 10 or $15 billion in market capitalization. And then if you look at the fact that Prime users uh, spend an average of $800 more and you look 12, you know, 12, 12 million times 800 bucks, that's an incremental 10 billion. You sign a lower multiple to that, two to three. You're looking at 40 to $50 billion in accretion before you take into effect the flywheel of Amazon Media Group and more vendors on the platform. So it's just amazing, this notion. I just can't, I just can't wrap my head around the notion that this entire industry of Hollywood and media and content, literally the pride and joy and the kind of running commercial and an unbelievable juggernaut of an industry, hundreds of billions of value, cultural influence like no other industry in the world, is being featurized as an accessory to yes, sell to more sell handsets paper. and toilet paper. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, just... Um, I, my mind is blown, Carol. My mind is, it is blown. It is. I, I told you about my conversation with Jill Solly about this. I'm like, you're selling toilet paper. Just it's FYI. Just it's like amazing. the old days when they would t- – the beginning of TV was that though, right? The, the sponsors were these toilet paper or whatever whatever they were selling, Palmolive or whatever. But, um, what's interesting about this is is Jeff's being in Hollywood. He seems to be enjoying it personally. I mean, there's, there is oh, this whole think fatal, so? fatal, think fatal so? attraction to Hollywood. You know what I mean? Sony yeah. and others. Yeah. So could that be a problematic? Like as he starts to – like this house is very <sighs> metaphorical. But boy, it, it, you sort of worry a little bit for him because so many other big companies have gone there and gotten their, you know – whether, whether, it was the, whether it was the stolen. Japanese in the 80s buying Columbia Pictures yeah. and losing 75 cents right. on the dollar, whether it was half my single buddies 
uh, and some of them recently divorced in the 90s who got lucky at AOL and thought they were geniuses and said, I know I'm going to move to L.A., buy a Porsche, be a movie producer and try and sleep with actresses who then realized it lost half their net worth in like five years and then left L.A. L.A. is the land of broken dreams for the most part. You know, it's just not for people. So what do you think about this? What do you think? He's, he's well, he's got the, the money. He's, he, he's got the money to break a lot of dreams. I mean, have you basically when you're a movie producer, it means one of two things: you're Jeff Bezos or your father is Larry Ellison. It's now become the playground for people who are willing to lose a ton of money. Because other than the real pros at this, Disney, you know, there are some real pros at this. Uh, it, it's a very difficult business. It is overinvested. It's like nightclubs or restaurants or any other passion business. There's too much capital, which drives down returns. So all the yeah. all the good stuff is soaked up. By a few players. Speaking of money, Amazon is also caught in a war with the Trump administration when it lost the JEDI contract, which was a big, giant contract with the Defense Department for Advanced Technologies. Uh, it was awarded to Microsoft, but Amazon is disputing that decision. Amazon has many other uh, contracts with the federal government, but this was a big one. There was one with the CIA, AWS does. Um, so what— what, what is this? And like, this will be, they'll decide whether they're going to stay the, the, the deployment by Microsoft, which won the award. Yeah. But this, uh, this I think he's got a real up this week when Trump meddled in the Justice Department because their whole narrative is Trump 100%. meddles. You know, so he meddled in Ukraine and now he meddled with, uh, with, the, with the Roger Stone case uh, with, his, with his henchman, um, Igor, uh, I mean, Bill Barr. Um, and so, you know, he's got a good narrative here of Mendelssohn, and the government is trying to say it's because of national security. They've got a rush when, in fact, it was the government, especially Trump, who slowed down the whole process. So it's an interesting thing. I think he's being super aggressive with this lawsuit, and it's linked to the Washington Post and everything else. So it's it, it's real money for Amazon if it starts to lose some of these contracts under Trump. Um as opposed to what's going on here. And then these taxes thing. So talk a little bit about the taxes. Um, they, 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 they made a blog post that we, we, played, we pay taxes, and Jay Carney's piece was presumably, we provide jobs, don't be mean to us. You know, we're a better corporate citizen than you think. That was what that piece essentially said. And this, this set, talking about a billion dollars in federal income tax, uh, more than $2.4 billion in other federal taxes include payroll taxes and custom dues, which they have to pay. It's too bad. Everybody gets to pay them. Right. And then more than $1.6 billion in state and local taxes, including payroll taxes, property taxes, state income taxes, and gross tax receipts. Tell me what you think about what they're doing here. I bet Target, and I'm almost positive of this on this, I bet Target, FedEx, Williams-Sonoma— a smaller retailer, mm-hmm. and most definitely Walmart. I bet Walmart has paid, I know Walmart has paid over $70 billion in federal income tax in the last 10 years, and I bet Amazon has paid somewhere between one and three. I mean, and this is despite the fact that Amazon will add the value or has added the value uh, of the entire value of any of those retailers I just mentioned in a three-month period, in, in a specific three-month period over the last five years. Amazon and big tech has overrun um, Washington, uh, the IRS is overrun, and uh, their tax lawyers are smarter than our tax authorities. And we now have small and medium-sized business paying a disproportionate share of taxes to fund our Navy and our parks, such that Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google don't have to pay taxes. I mean, I, I really are. Our taxes, you could argue taxes are too high. You could argue they're too low. I think there was a solid argument for why corporate tax rates should be brought down such that we didn't have these inversions where corporations were leaving the U.S. I think there was a solid argument there. But when they said that corporations were paying 35 percent, no, they were. Big tech was paying 21 percent. And now the average tax rate on big tech is 12 percent. So So why are they doing this? They're trying to push back these narratives of being a bad employer and being a bad taxpayer, essentially. Because it's the same people that defended Bill Clinton 
guy, the other guy that was defending Bill Clinton is working for Goldman Sachs. So mm-hmm. you go to Washington, you you are under attack, you develop unbelievable skill set at taking incoming and then returning fire, and you go to work for the organizations that that need <laughs> need the most Kevlar because they're the most aggressive or they're the most hated. So the entire administration ends up at Facebook, Google, or Goldman Sachs. Tell me, it's like, show me where Sarah Huckabee Sanders ends up, and I'll show you a company that's probably bad for the world because that's who needs them. These probably people the are state house, what they do. Probably the state house of her state. Oh, is, she, oh, is that right? She's running for governor? Is that what you're saying? Possibly, yeah. But you she talked about Jedi. I mean, I, a couple of things. Yeah. So you talked about Jedi, and then I want to go back, just touch on the, the media and— Right. I, I don't. I don't like. As you know, I, I'm not. A, I'm a pretty big critic of Amazon, and I think Microsoft is is has become a little bit more cuddly and fair. And I don't know if that's fair to say they're more fair and cuddly, but because they're effectively a monopoly too. But Amazon really like gets me going. If I actually hope Amazon, the courts decide this, because if the courts don't in some way decide this, basically Donald Trump and Bill Barr have co-opted the law of the land, and mm-hmm. if, if that's happened. Daily. We're, and that's just Wednesday. I mean, essentially, yeah. essentially, kind of what America is about and why we elect people and go through this process. I mean, the whole reason we go through this process is to elect people who are supposed to make laws. And if they make laws and then they're not willing to enforce them, no, it's a it's a banana. It's, I mean, this is really fr- it's kind of the most underreported story right now. It's no one's talking about Bill Barr meddling and with Roger Stone, but oh, this yeah. is another example. If yeah, if all this of a sudden one, I'm gonna I'll be writing a column on it in the New York Times. This is yeah. this is where I am this on Amazon's side on this one. Hundred percent because. And you know, I can't believe I'm backing this billionaire who who I have lots of issues with. But this, in this case, it feels like a, it's cooked. Yeah. Um, but it, it it is interesting. It's an interesting face off that Amazon is sort of trying to navigate right now. In that we pay taxes, we're not a bad person. Don't attack us. And at the same time, they are getting unfairly attacked by the Trump administration. What it seems like. Um, so it's kind of an it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting face off between him and Trump, and an interesting face off between. Uh, Bezos and sort of the media in terms of, and not just the media, but everybody in terms of their uh, corporate hegemony, essentially. So it's yeah. it's a fascinating it's a fascinating moment for this company for sure. But just circling no back a little bit to uh, sure. put a bow on the media side, just to give you, I mean, just to, I love that saying. It's it's surprising how long things take, and then shocking how fast they happen. In the streaming video mm-hmm. wars, the last twenty four months, we've been in the shocking phase. And if you think about just, if you think about how much the landscape has changed just yeah. in the last twenty four months, twenty four months ago. At, it was Netflix. At, 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 it was not only Netflix, but there was this new entrant that everyone was excited about, and they came to South by Southwest, and it was Meg Whitman, probably the one of the most yeah, accomplished and talented tech executives in history, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the iconic storyteller, and they raised, get this, a staggering $1 billion. Whitman, Katzenberg, a billion, short-form video, disruptive. This thing— is dead on arrival because in the two yeah. years they've been trying to figure it out and explain the, the non-strategy strategy they have, yeah. everyone has come in and said, oh, well, that's cute, but we're spending $8 billion and we're preloading it on your phone. Oh, that's nice, yeah. but we're in the business of content and we just started Apple TV Plus and, oh, you can go to Galaxy's Edge. I mean, Quibi is literally dead before yeah. it's stillborn. It's literally dead on arrival. And I never it, thought much of it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know why these two knew a lot about young people. I, I'm sorry. I just was always like, mm. It got a lot of attention, video. though. It got a I lot know, of attention. I know, but I was like, I was always like, Ugh, 
Not so much. It is literally going to be a fly hitting the windshield of Apple, Amazon, and Disney who are able to have the distribution or able to monetize through Flywheel. Things change. You got to move fast in this world, Scott. Wow. Speaking of which, um, speaking of which, we have a couple more things very quickly. I want very quick reactions to this, very quick reactions to each of these. I'm going to do quick ones because then we got to get to some other stuff. One is SoftBank lost a lot of money off the Vision Fund, but it and had a big multi-billion dollar quarterly loss because of it, but had a huge win this week after Sprint has approved the merger with T-Mobile. SoftBank made about $12 billion this week, courtesy of Sprint's surging stock price. Mm. Um, so uh, very quickly, very, you're going to have short answers here. Okay. Uh, what okay. do you think? Is this a big deal for them? Because they're losing everywhere else. Like they, you know, And there was a devastating story about um, one of its investors at PIF in Saudi Arabia and the Wall Street Journal about what an idiot investor is, essentially, uh, especially get, sort of getting played by Masa San in the, in the Vision Fund, but, you know, having lots of trouble there. So what do you think? Well, it touches on Brief. a few things. When, when the FTC and the DOJ have decided to finally look at smaller acquisitions because the consolidation that I constantly harp on yes. across big tech is happening across every industry, whether it's anti-plagiarizing software or food, it's just happening, or syndicated research, you see a consolidation of power that is bad for private business, the economy, and job creation. And again, we have now four telcos going to three. So that's one externality of what's happening here. As it relates to SoftBank, I would argue SoftBank is um, a pretty good investment right now. If you're looking for something with more kind of modest upside, I'm not talking the kind of gains that we expect from venture-backed companies, but if you're looking at a 10 to 30% gainer over the next 12 to 24 months with limited downside, SoftBank is actually a pretty good stock to own because the headline news there, the headline risk is so dramatic because Vision One Fund is just such a spectacle. But Mm -hmm. the core business of SoftBank is actually pretty strong. And even if they lose all $60 billion that they've invested in uh, or excuse me, all $40 billion that they've invested in Vision Fund 1, they're still fine. It's such a big company. Yeah. It has so much. They still own a large portion of Alibaba. They own a big portion of Sprint, which is now their third largest telco. Yeah. So if you're looking for a company that, they, that qualifies. I like your counter-thinking. You're a counter-thinker. All right, let me give you another counter-thinker. Very okay. quick. Brandless. Fold it. This was a company Brandless, that was— yeah. Direct to consumer goods, labelless products. Uh, yeah. A lot of people who use the products think they were very good. That was one issue. But you know, most of these branded products are just made in the same factory, essentially. Um, so, what does it tell us about this? What do you think about Brandless itself just closing? It just doesn't work. People don't want to buy that way. Well, so some of the com- some of the most underrated companies in the world. Uh, I've worked very closely with P and G and Unilever. These are extraordinarily innovative companies. I mean, people don't people don't understand how difficult it is to manufacture a good razor, a good diaper, or a Tide pod, mm-hmm. and their yeah. ability to balance capital allocation across media, packaging, retailer relationships. I mean, this just this shit is hard, and they do a fantastic yeah. job. And they're also amazing yeah. at retaining or attracting and retaining some of the best human capital in the world. They just get, yeah, they get very talented people. And the notion that it was kind of a cute idea where, oh, we don't need a brand, we'll focus on the product. But you're right. The pro- it's like, okay, we have a marginal product, but a mediocre brand. It, that just doesn't cut it, right? And then you have— No, it wasn't. It wasn't so much better. It wasn't like, oh, my God, these chips are so good. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think wasn't... people think that way. You're right. I agree. And by the way, let me just say I had an experience with that with Nabisco, a division of Mondelez, which they have like a, a 14 stuff Oreo that my son and I bought. And then there was a great Tic Tac on it. But these Oreos had like so much stuff inside, like yeah. the, whatever that white stuff is. Um, 
And I have to say, I was like, this is so innovative. I, we had yeah, to buy it, innovative. and we had to eat it, and then we had to regret it. It was fascinating. It was a yeah. fascinating moment. The food guys, the CPG guys are, are strikingly yeah. innovative. They just don't attract cheap capital. And obviously, it's a difficult business to, to – you can only scale that business 6 8%, but P&G has actually been a pretty good performer over the yeah. last 24 months Agreed. in terms of – Agreed. I think it's harder than you think. And this, I thought it was a cute idea, but wasn't going to go anywhere, too. Um, so last one, another exit at Google, uh, Eileen Naughton, uh, the longtime head of Google's HR. She used to work at Time Magazine by the Time Inc. Stepped down this week. She was a key figure at the company during Google Walkouts and other internal strife. The company been there a long time. She was in advertising. I met her a long million years ago. She's the fourth big player to exit Google in the last few months. Larry and Sergey left Alphabet in December. Uh, the founders, David Drummond, the legal officer, left in January. I had talked about some of these exits in a recent episode of Pivot uh, about this cleanup. Let's roll tape. You know, I think what's happening is Sundar Pichai, who has been the one to move in and clean some of this up, you can yeah. see his sort of invisible hand everywhere. What he's trying to do is clean it up quietly because he's a good guy and he's yeah. actually, you know, and move it away and move Google into the next era. All right. So what wait, do you wait, think wait, about hold this? On, and there, hold on. Hold on. What? We're now what? playing old clips of Pivot on Pivot. Yes, we do that all the time. We will do. We do. Oh my God! Too. Talk about shavings of shit on a shit salad. Oh my Jesus God! Christ. Listen, to me. don't get jealous. At least don't get jealous because I'm a brilliant oh person. My God. Listen, I We're want you to talk about Google. A few things you got right. Oh what my God! Oh, oh, really? Are you going there? Are you going there? Are really? Oh all right. God. You go. That's how desperate we become for affirmation. No. No, oh no, we have not. Oh, my God. Move Remember along, Remember when Scott. I said Goodness this sake. smart thing two years ago? Let's play that. No, it wasn't two years ago. That was recently. Anyway, will <laughs> oh you please comment God. on this? Don't be trying to attack me. I don't me. even know. What are we talking about again? We're talking uh, about Google. What's going on there? The executives. This is a, these are a lot uh, of executives. You know, you're going to forget more about this than I'm ever going to know. I don't know these people. I don't know what it means. I don't know who she is. What, what are your thoughts on it? I, 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 think I have nothing to say. I here. think it's fascinating. These are major figures that have been moved out of Google. The old Google is, go is going. And so it's interesting to see who he puts in place and what's going to run. They face a lot of challenges. Um, you know, they had this penalty. Google's in the EU for three-day hearing. Um, they're fighting a penalty they got. They've got uh, they've got all kinds of issues that they need to battle. At the same time, they've been doing a really interesting job on marketing and trying to sort of, as opposed to Facebook, which is coming at things really hard, they're coming at things in a softer way, which is interesting. Um, then they face these antitrust issues, the FTC ordering uh, these special orders for these companies. Um, for Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook, and Microsoft, which you referred to, which is looking at the small mergers. Um, so I think they really need a better team there to face what's what are some real big problems coming up. Well, it goes back to what we just referenced, and that is the kind of the the algorithm in DC is go there, work your ass off, and try uh, and leave with your reputation somewhat intact, and then go monetize the influence and contacts you have. And I don't. Yeah. It's not. It sounds gross. That's the way the game is played, and I don't. I don't resent their ability. Everyone deserves to make a living. They work really hard. I'm. I think it's a good thing they go on to make it. Now, should it be a revolving door into lobbyists? Probably not. But anyways, that's the algorithm there. The algorithm in, in big tech, quite frankly, is now just trying to save your reputation and get out with your money, right? Because they make a ton of money while they're there. I mean, as an example, what would David Drummond give? Would he give up fifty million dollars to have left twenty four months ago? I mean, most of these guys. They, they're doing the math. They're like, okay, I'm starting to take heat in incoming, and some of it is yeah. warranted. I'm just going to get out of Dodge because yeah. there are a ton of tech executives who think, you know what? I wished I'd left 12 or 24 months ago before the New York yeah. Times, someone started deciding, I know, uh, Pulitzer slash ruin this person's life slash dig deeper, and I keep finding more ugly shit. 
So uh, I think I'll, you're going to see a lot of these guys say, you know, I have 30, yep. 50, 80 million dollars. Peace the fuck this out. Is, the algorithm, your... the algorithm for happiness, Kara, is to be yeah. anonymous and rich. That's what I was saying. This is your new thing. Your new thing. And now we will announce Scott will be leaving, be quietly spending his money in the Peace out. Business. Word. Drop the mic. <laughs> that dog is leaving the building. This is your thematic thing. I, this is your thematic thing. There's a dignity to leaving the stage when people are clapping. Oh, that's true. That's a fair point. Well, who? I wonder who's going to be out next at Google. It's interesting. I think you're going to see. You're absolutely right. You are going to see a lot of departures at some of these companies. Do you think Joe Sandberg is leaving? May, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not as much at Amazon. And uh, I was just going to say Facebook is going to be less leaving because, look, Jeff's had those executives in there for 17, 20 years, whatever. They don't leave, those top executives. And and Facebook has an unusual amount of people who were there from the early days, um, except for the companies they bought. And so— you there's know, it, it'll be interesting. And Apple, Apple, the same executives. So, and but there's there's a difference though, a because because right. uh, Amazon and to to a similar extent Apple, they don't appear to have the kind of fraternity culture they had at Google, which is rearing its ugly head. They don't have. They're not. You know, Prime isn't depressing teens. Um, Apple. Apple has not been weaponized by the GRU. I mean, it's just an entirely different level yep, of scandal waiting to blow up in your face at Google and Facebook. Yep. And also the value accretion there has been um, so dramatic that a lot of yep. these guys are like, okay, I'm I'm the VP of communications for Facebook, and I've made 20 million bucks, and people are starting to recognize that me roaming the world saying, we want to give voice to the unheard when there's absolutely nothing in my background that would in any way indicate I give a flying fuck about the First Amendment, and I'm using this as cloud cover such that we continue to have technology where Indians are pulled out of their cars and hanged because of a rumor spread on WhatsApp, and our response is to refuse to hand over information. We're just going to run some newspaper ads. You know, there might be some bad press on me, and I have a bunch of money. I like like it when I drop off my kids at school and people don't point at me and refuse to have dinner with me. I'd like to keep it that way. So these people are smart. They're getting it. They're they're piecing out. They're piecing, they're piecing out. out. And you know what they're going to do then? They're going to take their money and go to Hollywood and have it stolen from them. 100%. That's going to happen. 100%. Right, so we're going to take— see, see how I brought that around? See what a brilliant person I am. Let's anyway. play it again on the next pivot. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? Listen, oh, my God. You take so many friggin' laps around the— around The, the dog oh, does no, like not, to scratch himself. I the dog does like to put his— not le- even begin to dignify your— The dog does like to put his leg me. back and lick himself. You I know spent why? the morning arguing about laundry with my two sons. I am not going to put up with it from you. No, no. I already handled the Swisher boys this morning. You are going to be handled. Anyway, we're going to have a quick break. We'll be right back with listener mail and wins and fails and predictions. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. 
And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code FOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to me. Okay. We need to see a therapist together, a couple's therapist. Listen to me. Listener mail. Let's dig into the listener mail bag. Okay. Go ahead, tape. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you've got mail. Hey, Kara and Scott. This is Usmi from New York City. I'm a part-time yoga teacher and have firsthand knowledge of yoga studio economics. Last month, ClassPass hit the $1 billion valuation mark, making it the first unicorn of the new decade. I've heard studio owners complain that ClassPass doesn't pay enough per student, which they don't understand since it's a billion-dollar company. Does ClassPass have a sustainable business model? Do you think the bubble is ready to burst? And what does this tell us about the fitness industry disruptors in general? Thanks. So, Scott, what do you think about this? This I've heard a lot about that. I've gotten a lot of emails about ClassPass. This this reminds me a little bit of Groupon and some others, like what— what what the valuation people are getting out of it. But there is a lot of disruption in the fitness industry. There's, you know, not just ClassPass, but uh, Peloton, Mirror, Rumble, Orange Theory. Um, what what do you think about this whole the whole fitness space? Well, first it's form, always been individualized before. Yeah, ClassPass is really interesting. I wouldn't have bet on ClassPass, but if you look at the dynamics of the industry, there's a ton of suppliers that are very fragmented and are so desperate for new customers that if you can create a middleman platform, if you can become the app store, if you can become the search engine that basically influences where people go, you're just going to have a lot of power. Now, I don't know what's sustainable about ClassPass. I don't understand the business that well, but a billion-dollar market cap for ClassPass. And also, I think I need to disclose, I think it's backed by my backers, General Catalyst. I think that's one Mm -hmm. of their winners. Um, so I bet it seems like an industry where someone could insert themselves and take advantage of the fragmentation and what I'll loosely call the artisanal sweating industry, where there's a lot of individual players that are probably not great at using technology to acquire customers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there was there was a really good piece in Vice this uh, last week by um, 
Maxwell, I think, Strachan, uh, said the, the headline is ClassPass is squeezing studios to the point of death. The first billion-dollar unicorn of the decade says it's saving the fitness industry. Some uh, of its own studio partners insist it's doing the exact opposite. So I think you're going to get a push-pull here because you're right. These these are usually individual operators. And right. there have now there's now a lot of more chains. There always were chains, but with Rumble, Orange Theory, SoulCycle, et cetera. So there's more of this chain thing where people— it's almost like the McDonald's method of, of fitness. So you're going to see that happening and then this at-home stuff that's going on with Peloton, Mirror, and yeah. others. And then these these most of these studios, I've noticed a lot of the bike studios, they've closed. You know, I bought a pair of shoes off of a bike studio that was closing in New York at one point because, you know, you can't, you can't attract enough. You can't do enough marketing to get people to come. And so yeah. people, if they can rely on a SoulCycle or a, what Orange Theory or whatever, they kind of do it, right? And so you do have this idea of this, this class pass is going to save me by helping with marketing or getting me customers regularly. But then they're going to get squozen no matter how you, you know what I mean? Like squozen. that's the problem. That's is a the, good one, there's, squozen. There's, there's bigger things happening here in the industry where there's consolidation among people wanting to get in 35 minutes and that's it, right? You know what I mean? I want to do my 35-minute workout. When they want to do and, it. When yeah, they when they want to do it yeah. in this yeah, so, pass. And also go into these classes, which are super organized. I find them, like Orange Theory I go to now, it's like easy and it, it it's regular and it makes sense. And I don't, I could probably do it. I mean, I have been going to the Y too, but it's really, it's a real problematic for all these companies, I think. No, Orange so Theory, it's, it's interesting you've got Orange Theory. Now, I like Orange Theory too because I, I find CrossFit's too intense for me. So I've downgraded to like the non-carbonated CrossFit, which is Orange Theory. But the metaphor here is movie theaters and that is – the home experience, so they did some innovation, but the majority of gyms really haven't changed that much. New York Sports Club or LA Fitness or whatever you want to call it, the majority of workout establishments have not really innovated. Meanwhile, the home the home fitness industry has innovated dramatically, similar to the way your TV viewing experience has just exploded in value, but movie theaters really haven't innovated. And as a yep. result, fewer people are going yep. to the movies and more people are watching Game of Thrones at home. And the sad part yeah. about it is that slowly but surely, all the places we went and occasionally saw someone from a different income level or a different ethnicity or a different yes. age, we're slowly but surely casting, segmenting, and segregating ourselves out of community places like movie theaters, right. like gyms. That's a big theme. And it creates a, lot, a lack of empathy. It creates fear to be around people who don't have the same background as you. And it's an, un, it's an unhealthy trend. Writing about this, there was a great place that says we shouldn't get our avocados delivered to us. You know, there was in go New to York the Times store. Really, yeah, yeah. You go to the store. This was there's this a big theme. I think it's I think it could be your next book, Scott Galloway. I know Al algorithm have me being just focusing on this community aspect of of that. And uh, you know, David Brooks was I'm not always the hugest fan of him. Did write a very good story in the Atlantic about I think it was probably his next book about. Um, uh, people, the, the nuclear family, the loneliness, essentially, of the nuclear family and how it's fallen apart. Same themes. But in terms of class pass, story in, in, in Vice, which I urge you to read, it, one of the owners of a yoga studio and Pilates studio in San Francisco called The Pad said class pass continually tries to take more and more control of our business with their latest iteration is now crystal clear is no longer financially viable for us to continue the partnership um, so they pulled themselves. And so I think that's this, as I said, the scrozenness of it is really hard for these partner studios um, because, you know, ClassPass wants to get these discounts. And at the same time, these businesses need to stay in business and uh, the rates, the rates don't work. And so you ruin the, you, you, you take away the relationship with the customer that these small studios have um, and hand it over to someone like ClassPass. But it's inevitable. What's happening with ClassPass is whether it's you go to Orange Theory or Rumble, I think people find it much easier and it's the way they want to work out. 
Um, so that, unfortunately, for these small studios, I think there's no winning in, in general. So it's a very difficult industry where we let mm -hmm. the bigger players have access to cheaper capital, figure out a way to pay lower taxes, and there's an accretion to scale such that the little guys who traditionally have been the biggest job you know, job mm -hmm. creators have just a tough time. It used to be 15% of all businesses were less than a year old. The yoga studio across mm -hmm. from me, Y7, which is this wonderful little studio. Mm -hmm. They have three locations. What happens when ClassPass raises 30, 40, 50 million bucks and starts finding all the yoga enthusiasts and slowly but surely starches all the margin in exchange for a short-term yeah. sugar high of sending some people to your four o'clock class. It's yeah. no different yeah. than Google getting in between yeah. manufacturers' brand. I mean, it's fine if there's a bunch of them such that there's competition on all sides. A place that hasn't worked is the tech guys tried to roll up and SoftBank tried to roll up food delivery, right? And there's so yeah. many players in there and there's so few, there's so... Um, there's so few uh, uh, barriers of entry that the suppliers, the end suppliers, have all the power. And so they've yeah. not only see, not seen margin compression, they've seen margin expansion because Uber shows up or some of them show up. Actually, not Uber, but a couple of them showed up and said, we'll pay you. We'll give you more to deliver your $11 burrito in an attempt yeah. to steal market share. So yeah. the dynamics, it's all about, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it, it takes me back to Christina Romer when I was a graduate student instructor for her class in business school around economics. By the way, I just dropped that to try and signal that I have, I'm smarter than I am. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know who I had? Oh my um, God, you go off on a tangent. Finish your point. So, Kara, I had a chance uh, to meet with a hero of mine, Chancellor Carol Christ, who is a warrior for lower-income households, uh, where she will graduate more kids from lower-income households, the entire Ivy League combined, and you meet with the chancellor, and she does exactly what she's supposed to do. You're so inspired by her substance and her commitment to young people that you want to get involved and look back and nod to the University of California taxpayers. But I'm just inspired by the chancellor and I'm just feel, you know, feel so fortunate. Any graduate of the University of California feels so so fortunate to have a warrior like that looking out for the interests of future, our future uh, uh, University of California graduates. So that was a real thrill for me. I should have her to code. I may invite her to code. She She's is so such impressive. a gangster, such an impressive gangster. woman. We are Agreed. so fortunate, all of us at the University of California and right. generally. Uh, Back uh, to class pass. All right, anyway, I'm so sorry. you Anyways, were saying. Chancellor Christ. Back okay. to class pass. So, we'll see. So I don't know. I think I, I do think there's secular trends in how people like to work out. They didn't like you know, going to gyms and wandering around is not what people like. And so a lot of those businesses fell apart. You paid your forty dollars. Now if you can I go wandered to these classes, Equinox, get it, the people that are so ridiculously uh, hot. I'm like, oh my god, look I, how I hot that guy that. is. But money people just want to get in, get out, and that's yeah. why those other companies. And so it's very difficult for these business, small businesses to keep competing and hold on to the relationship with the customer. Agreed. Anyway, wins and fails. Would you like to go first? You go first. I would say, um, I was going to say Jay Carney's meltdown on Twitter was that, but I do think the win for the FTC um, in terms of doing these, um, I, I have a column coming on the Times about this, but in terms of, I don't know if they can pull it off, but studying the small companies where you don't know about what they're doing, I think is critical. What they're doing, this sort of block and tackle uh, investigation, in, is they calling it a study and a review into these small companies, and I like that it was zero to five I mean, five to zero, excuse me, it was unanimous by the commission. And they yeah. do understand, they're starting to understand the, the insidious nature of these big companies buying up all these small companies that you don't know about for feature set and things like that. And sort of, I talk about this, something called killer acquisition, which is they do it sometimes for talent. They do it sometimes because they need a feature help. But in a lot of cases, they do it so they don't have a competitor. And so I like that the, F, I think it's a win for the FTC. I don't think they're well-funded. They just have $330 million and they have 1,100 people fighting all these people, including the other things they have to cover, 
Um, so I, I, I was, uh, I was very much, uh, I was happy that they did this. And then a uh, a fail, I think, is um, is is Bill, Bill Barr again, once yeah. again, he, already low standards for an attorney general, and he's managed to go below them. Um, and this is problematic and has repercussions. And I know everyone says they never have repercussions, but I think the karma is just building here um, with every all of them. They're just overreaching in every single way, including, I'm sorry Rush Limbaugh has the cancer, but I'm not sorry he's still a fucking asshole. He attacked Pete Buttigieg in a really repulsive, homophobic way. And, uh, you know, him getting the Medal of Freedom at the same week when he's just making these just horrible comments I haven't heard since the 1980s. I didn't um, hear those. You can know, you repeat those just uh, so, so we can shame? I don't him. want to repeat them. I just that he can. He, he's a, the man. Donald Trump will take care of him. The gay, essentially, it was just gross. And he calls mm. him boot booty booty jeej or something. He's just he's gross. He is a gross man, and his yeah. legacy is grossness. And again, sorry, he has cancer, but man, is he just an awful human being? Just an awful human being. So. So along along the lines of your win, I um, uh, I couldn't uh, you know word, word my sister because if we wanted the best investment we could make on our economy over the next ten to thirty years, I mean to get get staggering return on investment would be to take uh, the FTC and the DOJ and triple their budget and say your job is to go across the most productive parts of our economy, and I'm not just talking about big tech; I'm talking about yeah. Hundreds, All hundreds of, of consolidation, and and go in there and oxygenate it, and go in there and say mm-hmm. what what companies have flown under the radar, whether it's in textiles, whether it's rolling up, rolling up rubber placemats, and say what industries have used a series of, of of size, scale, and what's called killer acquisitions, where you acquire a company, and if it does great on its own, fine, but if it goes out of business, you cauterize. That that competitor, you make all the executives who are the most talented, upstart, risk-taking, uh, human capital in that sector sign onerous non-competes and non-solicits, thereby not only not only ensuring that company won't survive, but basically you take all the players out of that industry. It's like if if the NFL, if a team said, okay, if you leave us. Um, you can't play for anybody else. And one team would just emerge and soak up everything. So the most oxygenating, longest-term job creation thing we could do right now would be to overfund the FTC, mm-hmm. DOJ, and, and 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 literally let them go unchained. Anyway, my win is India and the United Kingdom uh, respectively have uh, – looks like they're going to pass legislation where India is going to demand that Facebook – um, cooperate with the government, which is means that they're saying you can't encrypt your backbone. And I recognize there's a downside and there's some risks here. But yeah, and unfortunately, we're not playing this clip. But remember when I predicted <laughs> several months ago that <laughs> Facebook would be banned from a country? Yeah. I think Facebook is going to be banned uh, from India because I think Facebook ah. is going to say, look, our primary, we're gangster Mark Zuckerberg has struck a very brazen posture. WhatsApp is huge over there, but doesn't produce any revenue. He's just not going to make an exception and start handing over information such that when those uh, 11 men were pulled out of cars and hanged because of false rumors that had gone like wildfire on WhatsApp, Facebook refused to hand over the identities or the sources of those rumors. 
they refused to cooperate. Oh, Instead, ran some newspaper ads saying, don't pe- pull people out of cars and hang them, which I'm sure solved the problem. Yeah. But and anyways, that India, said, his his the person against him, Modi, is really an autocrat. Come on, he's and he's pulling all kinds of racial problems in India, p- pushing them up for his own political gain. So it's a complicated situation, no doubt. And I think there's I think there's real downside. But I think yeah. uh, I'm just saying I think India's had I think India and the UK and the UK has announced now that the senior level executives for Facebook are like going to uh, any other company going to start to be liable for the damage they cause. In yeah. other words, yeah, sort I of think almost, England is more interesting. I find because I. Yeah. I think they are. They've been very thoughtful. I think in in Europe and much more so. Though though Facebook, but I, I think the brazen word you just use is absolutely true. I just um, I'm about to interview Stephen Levy, who's written. He had inside inside access to Facebook. They cooperated on his book called Inside Facebook or or Facebook: The Inside Story. Um, it's an interesting read. I think it's slightly too kind. Quite a lot too kind. But uh, there there what what does come through, whether Stephen means it or not, is this brazenness throughout his career throughout his career, since the beginning. And it mm-hmm. wasn't that he was young and, and arrogant. It is a, it is a hallmark of—I uh, had forgotten so much uh, about the early history of Facebook. Um, but the brazen is exactly the right word, I think. You've chosen well, Scott. I Allen. think there's a reason he and Trump get along. I think they both yeah. respect each other as autocrats and people who never give up and, quite frankly, have this kind of— I'm going to call it psycho- sociopathic element where they really don't care what other people think of them. They don't, they don't care yeah. about their place in the world. They don't. They look outside the window and they see themselves. And, yeah, it was uh, there, there was a scene in this book, which again I don't think Stephen meant to show this through, but he was walking across the street and this guy um, Joe Green, who was one of his roommates or in his, in his whatever his house in at Harvard, and he was walking across the street and he just walked, even if he got hit. And someone was like, he feels his confidence. Even then, his confidence shield will protect him. Like uh, you know what I mean? Like he didn't. And it was a small little moment. I was like, oh. Yes, I, I've seen that, and it's really—it's a—I not, not, I think people should be confident, but it was really the entire book so far is all about fuck you, mm-hmm. like it's all about fuck you, and so I agree with you. It's really—he's really—he's kind of brazen it out. It works for a lot of people. I'll tell you that. You also had my or tangentially, you had my loss. Yeah. I don't understand how. I just don't understand how people work so hard make so many personal sacrifices, including oftentimes their own kind of integrity such they can get elected to office. And what what do these people do in elected office for the most part? If they're if they go to DC, they're there to make laws. Mm-hmm. And so if you have one branch of government, the executive branch has decided these laws are just convenient when they work for them or they don't work for them and they're starting to interfere in sentencing then right. why why the fuck do we have senators? And so I don't understand yeah. the tautology of a Republican senator, the thought process, who's going to put up with that. I would I would have thought this would be the red they line. They said nothing. And well, said not the nothing. Repo- Democrats, not well, the Democrats. Okay. The, but no, the not a single Republican. They've all said there's the same three or four people who have moderate voters who are so horny Super, for the election. They're disappointed in him. They're yeah, they want to get credit. Him. They won't actually do anything, but yeah. they want to be seen as thoughtful and say, oh, I think he's learned from his impeachment. Yeah, Senator Collins, he's definitely learned. He's a change man. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. I, that that is. I think that is really uh, Attorney General Barr deciding that he he is no longer Attorney General. Republican senators deciding that the laws they made are not really laws. It's very. Um. It's really chilling, and we keep yeah. saying well, it's this. Cul- it's it's but, culpability. I mean, in everyone, and you know, look, Larry Ellison's about to throw a big fundraiser for uh, Trump. And well, that's in, okay. Uh, you and I Angeles. disagree with that. Why is that? Yeah, that's I know. Okay. You, you, I get you, it. You, I just, I'm just telling you, people just move along. They right. just literally, I got mine. I'm talking yeah. about a larger thing, and, and right. I, they give lip service to this 
uh, everyone's great, but that, I, I'm, it's very disappointing when leaders don't actually say leadership things. They just really just— Oh, you know, by the way, you know really... who's number three in the latest Quinnipiac poll? Is that now at 15%? Mm-hmm. Amy Klobuchar. Uh, nope. No. My Bo- man. Oh, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Oh, your man. Yeah, he's moving up. And by the way, let, let's just finish, but he did an excellent job on the memes thing. Another great digital move by them. They're very— uh, you know, the the whole stop and frisking was not great, uh, what, what happened, him trying to explain it. And, you know, he's he's quite conservative in many ways. Um, and and the, that was the stop and frisk was he's got to answer better. He just has to. Um, but and it, they're, they're inadequate answers. But you're right. He's this money is working and he's spending it. And it's it seems to be having an impact. And as the as the as the parties uh, bifurcate uh, in terms of left and, and center, essentially, um, it's going to be something to watch. Some, he might come right up the middle. Sorry, sorry. I'm telling you, though. I mean, we talked about this. This thing about predictions is when you get them right, they don't seem that impressive because a series mm-hmm. of events between the prediction and what how it plays out make it more and more obvious. But it is all falling into place for him because Bernie yeah. is way ahead in the Democratic in the poll. If and and Democrats are going to realize that if we're to end up being Sanders versus Trump, effectively the entire election would be cast by the Republicans effectively as socialism versus capitalism and capitalism would win. And and then you have Klobuchar is probably, she's got the most momentum right now. And Mm -hmm. Biden and Elizabeth Warren have the most negative momentum. And you're going to see Elizabeth Warren radically go on the attack against Trump personally, which is her raising her hand to be the vice president, the attack dog for whoever becomes the presidential nominee. She just did impeachment. You're right. That is absolutely what she did. She's now running for vice president because the vice president's role is to be the attack dog. And she is an outstanding. Standing. Standing attack Outstanding. Dog. Um, Except for you, Scott Galloway, who has woof, not been as nice as you could woof. make me this week. When I make a good prediction, you should give me a pat on the head. That's now I'm going right. to bite you because I'm a cat. Are you, are you upset? I'm here for no. you. I am I, here I'm for fine. you. I need my ears rubbed. I feel like I need my ears rubbed. That got so yeah. much play. That got it so did. much play, the whole Bankoff coming did. over geography questions. Even Bankoff yeah. texted me. Oh, I like this. Dear. So few of us are in touch with our emotions, Kara, like you and me. So few of us. Yeah. I will be temporarily hurt, and then I will plot revenge. That's really how I work. Anyway, Scott, uh, for anyone not producing a biweekly news podcast, it's a three-day weekend. What are you doing this weekend? And by the way, we will be back Monday, so just— Forget it for you. What are you doing? What are I'm you doing excited. Anything? I have this uh, this wonderful Argentinian friend, and he's celebrating uh, their uh, wonderful story. They're immigrants, came from Argentina, and they, they, they are wonderful people with wonderful kids. And he has an entire—he's built—and this is what Argentinians do, I guess. He bought a house and immediately set about building not a garage, but basically what is a meat cave where he makes oh. meat. <laughs> And he oh, invites no. people over to make to oh, eat yeah, his no, incredible no. Argentinian Good, beef in his well. beef cave. I'm doing that oh, tonight. You're going I to got, a beef cave. I'm going to a beef <laughs> cave tonight. <laughs> um, I need a photo from the beef cave. Oh my gosh! It, it's, I need it's a photo Argentinian from the beef, beef cave. cave. And then yeah. I have, unfortunately, I have a soccer tournament. It's really terrible. My oh, son yeah. is uptick in his athletic ability. It's Ugh, just the worst thing I, in the yeah. world. Palm Beach Gardens. Here I come. My friend, lacrosse season starts. It is my, I literally, and I'm not allowed to look at my phone during the entire process, and it's just agonizing. I know. It's rough. Anyway, um, uh, I will be doing my children's laundry all weekend. Anyway. um, Code's coming up, Kara. 
Codes, codes coming we up. We got a lot of things, a lot of stuff. You're going to be a big part of it, Scott Galloway. You're, are you saying, are you good. just teasing me? When you say big, how big? No, like, you are. Like I have some Jedi more big? big names coming. More big, big names. I cannot say okay. who I'm talking to, but there's some ones that you will like quite a bit besides the ones I already got that were quite good. I like it. All right. I like it. It's going to be good. I actually like that. I do. Oh, God, the woman, if I have another space, I don't have space, but uh, the uh, the woman from Berkeley is a great idea. That's a great idea. Anyway. Chancellor Chris. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you, Kara. Have a great weekend. All right. Remember, we love your questions. If you have a question about a story you're hearing in the news, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, please read the credits. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please download our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Please recommend it to a friend. And join us early next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. Do you want a career that meets you where you are and takes you where you want to go? Whatever your individual ambitions, motivations, and skills may be, discover your potential at Deloitte. Right along with purpose-driven teams and a difference-making culture. Be seen for who you are and celebrated for what you bring. Discover your impact at Deloitte. Learn more at Deloitte.com slash US slash Discover Careers. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.